is time for the weekly rant where me and Will talk about news, prices, and whatever the hell we want to in the crypto market. Joining me today, Will, how are you? And what are we talking about today? Hey Simon, glad to be here. Well, I think it's a bit of bad news in the market this week. Starting off with Coinbase, they have 28 days to prove why they shouldn't be operating in 11 American states. Now that kind of scares me. What about you, Simon? Yeah, well, it started before even just Coinbase. It was Binance who were giving some issues from the SEC or some being sued by the SEC first. So that kind of started this cascade of, I guess, negative news. So that wasn't great. And then we also had in Australia, Commonwealth Bank coming out with some pretty bad things. So I think let's start in chronological order there. Let's start with Binance. So what happened with Binance and what's the ramifications of this, do you think? Well, it looks like Binance also got, I guess, approached by the SEC and uh, I think they've been alleged for handling unregistered securities. It's essentially a mishmash or a fruit salad of accusations, which to me smells like no accusation. I mean, usually when you're going after somebody, it's like, this is exactly what you did and this is why we're coming after you. But then if they throw a whole bunch of accusations, it's kind of, I don't know. And so... Uh, Binance was accused of having unregistered securities, uh, not having proper risk controls, faking their trading volumes, like a whole bunch of different things, and also commingling uh, customer funds with other interests. I think it was something like 13 counts of uh, different issues. And of course, Binance have come out and said they're clean and innocent. And now it's a he said, she said, uh, and looks like Binance is in trouble in the US. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting one. I guess Coinbase had a very similar, I guess, issuance from the SEC that they were running an unregistered securities exchange. So they've listed mm. a whole bunch of uh, crypto tokens or coins that they have listed as securities. And the big ones being like your Solana, Matic, Cardano, you know, they're really big. Uh, BNB, Binance Smart Chain coin. These are big, big coins market cap wise. And so they're listing them as securities, which is a huge deal. So that means... Binance is in trouble for selling these. Coinbase is in trouble for selling these. They're the only ones that have been sued for at the moment. The difference between the Coinbase and the Binance issues is that that's where it stopped for Coinbase. Whereas for Binance, as you said, they were doing things like uh, commingling funds, which is a big, big no-no. That's the whole thing that got FTX in trouble. Well, mm. the whole thing that got FTX mm. in trouble was that they were gambling away with those funds. So what Binance were or were not doing with those funds, that's of concern and i think everyone is still you know shuddering a little bit from ftx here and wondering is binance doing the same thing we don't know is the answer so binance mm. has probably got a few more issues and concerns mm. around it you know it's not as squeaky clean as coinbase is so they've got a few more things to answer for hopefully they survive because it'll be bad for the industry yeah so binance has obviously a few more issues that it needs to resolve maybe it's due to the fact that it is you know, a big international corporation and not a public company. So the public company of Coinbase had to be a little bit more squeaky clean about what it is. So hopefully Binance wasn't doing anything as bad as FTX. We're going to have to wait and see. This is going to go through court battles for a very, very long time. So I don't think we're going to see a resolution to either of these things for a very long time. It's kind of like the Ripple case. That's been going on for years and years without looking like it's going to resolve. I think these two cases could very much so end up in the same kind of position where we don't get the answer for years and years to come. It seems to me that this whole SEC uh, going after everybody has started 
started way back in 2017. There was a company I used to work for back then, and the SEC did go after them. And it took uh, two or three years to resolve, actually. But then the thing is, when the, when the SEC went after this company, they came out and went public and announced it, basically let everybody know. But the shocking thing was that uh, when this company said that the SEC was going after them, a whole bunch of other companies came and confided to the CEO and told them that the SEC is also after us. So it seems that since 2017, the SEC has a long list of people it has to go through. And what they typically do is they they actually start by engaging the entity by saying, oh, hey, we're just here to ask you a couple of questions, investigate. And essentially, they start us an exchange of sorts where they collect documents and communications and things like that. And then once they're done, these companies get served. That's been the history. And it seems like the SSC is still going after everybody. And the problem is that they do not provide guidance. I'm sure Binance didn't come out and say, oh, we're just going to, uh, I guess, trade securities because we like to do that. I don't know about the exchange volumes, a whole bunch of different uh, uh people get accused of exchange volumes and they're really difficult to control because there's bots there anyway. But the likes of Coinbase, they don't even have that many tokens. And I would bet my money that they've actually gone to the SEC and said, which of these do you consider a security? And we will delist it. That is so easy to do. But the SEC refuses to provide guidance. They refuse to say that this is a security or yeah. this is not a security. Uh, and Typically, when uh, when uh, uh, when an exchange wins or when a project wins, let's say XRP comes out on top. Typically, what happens is that they actually reach an impasse where uh, they settle out of court, so to speak, and the SEC says we're not going to clear you from not being a security, but you can keep doing what you're doing, and you just have to pay this fine, and you have to promise not to be launch another security in the future. So the SEC has never come out and said that this specific token is not a security. I think what we're going to see here is some roll on effects though, because the tokens and coins that they've listed as securities is only a very small proportion of them. So if those ones are considered securities, then basically everything else on those platforms is securities. And then there's the other question mark, especially just for the US is that Kraken and Gemini, the other two big exchanges in the US, they're listing the exact same tokens and coins. So therefore, they should be expecting a letter from the SEC soon as well, because they are running unlicensed security brokerages as well. So Gemini and Kraken are going, well, this is coming for us as well, because it can't not. They're doing exactly the same thing. So I think the SEC are using this as a test case. And it can't be a coincidence that they serve Binance one day Coinbase the next day. Yeah, that was a targeted strategic move to let people know that we're coming after you. I'm waiting. I don't know when, but I'm waiting for them to issue the same thing to Kraken and Gemini because they're doing the exact same tokens. So there's going to be some flow on effects here and it's going to be some confusion for the US. I guess the one thing to be aware of and be thoughtful of is that that's just the US. So the rest of the world doesn't follow those rules. We're going to have some different versions of what securities are whether you're in Europe, whether you're in Asia, whether you're in Australia. So we don't necessarily need to worry per se that that's now going to be law in those other jurisdictions, but it's going to have issues, I guess, for the tokens and the growth of the crypto in general, because there's so much money in the US. And if the US is not able to flow money into these things, that's definitely going to cause a hindrance on the success of some of these projects. So 
it's an interesting space to watch and something definitely to be concerned about, but we're not going to get a resolution anytime soon. This will drag out for years, I feel. Yeah, I'll definitely drag out for years. And I think all it, all it is, is it's a signal for the likes of Kraken and other exchanges to start thinking about uh, maybe setting routes in other places. At some point, they might have to do the math and decide whether it's worth it staying and fighting uh, the SEC and if they can get anything out of it. I mean, it's one thing if you are a single project like SEC and all you have to do is win your battle. It's another thing if you are Binance or Kraken and you're in the US and every other token you're listed uh, puts you at risk. And so who knows how these exchanges will end up looking like in the US if they'll even be there. I mean, at this point, can you even buy Bitcoin? If the SEC would come out and say that Bitcoin is not a security, what can Coinbase do? So I don't know. It feels like there's the US might stand at risk at being able to have ramps, on and off ramps. I don't know what's going to happen there. If these exchanges are being targeted and these tokens are being targeted, then where does it end? I guess, what, are they going to come out and list what is not a security or are they just going to continually say, this one's now security, this one's now security. Crypto moves a lot faster than that. There's you know thousands of them out there. So it's very hard to control or be on top of that. So this is where rules need to be in place to help them. And the rules aren't in place. And that's the reason why Binance had a Binance US exchange, why FTX had FTX US and FTX International, why Coinbase has recently gone and created a company in Malta or something for a Coinbase International. These big exchanges know it's hard. They know it's not working in the US. And so they have gone out of their way to create separate entities so they can still service the US market, but they are aware that it's limiting and they need to capture the rest of the international market as well. They, I think the US is clearly hindering itself here by not having that and the exchanges knew this and that's why they were making these moves to make sure they had separate entities. So they are separating the US market already and now they're just gonna be pushed into more separation. Uh, on that same note, Simon, Commonwealth Bank announced the other day, a couple of days ago that uh, they, they would become more strict on the exchanges that we as customers could send our money to. So very soon, uh, the amount of money that we'll be able to send to exchanges, I think will be limited to $10,000 or something like that. And I think anything beyond that will be, will be difficult to transfer to an exchange. That makes it really hard for uh, me or anybody else to buy crypto, especially in a timely, timely manner. I don't want to answer calls or go through jump through all sorts of hoops just to put my money on an Australian exchange just so that I can buy some Bitcoin. I think that's that's going a little bit too far. Well, I think just to remember that 2017, 2018, especially the banks made it hard to get your money to exchanges as well. So this is not a new thing for crypto. It's not a new thing for the Australian banks. So in 2018, I remember that they were stopping people from transferring money into the crypto exchanges. So nothing new. I guess... It's interesting from Commonwealth Bank now, given that a year ago they were talking about allowing you to buy some crypto directly through the Commonwealth Bank app. So that's a big 360 from them going. They were about to embrace it more. They had a news announcement so they're going to embrace it to now going to 
we're going to try and stop you from being able to do it. And they're not, they're not saying you can't do it. They're just saying for your protection, we are going to make it harder for you to transfer the money through. So are they protecting their customers or are they putting in controls about how you spend your money, how you can spend your money? That's up to the individual to decide. I think the $10,000 per month limit or cap is strange. Where do they arbitrarily come up with that is the amount that is safe for you to transfer to crypto exchange? I don't know how they've come up with that one. That's a very unusual mm. one. Is it good? Is it good for the crypto industry? No, it's putting in handbrakes onto the system. So it's not good in that it really makes it harder to do it. We already had Westpac come and debank Binance. So that was a huge enough deal in itself. Now that Binance can, can no longer service people in Australian dollars. That's just insane. So we've got Westpac coming out very negative. We've got Commonwealth Bank coming out very negative. We're just waiting to see when ANZ you know, wants to come out and do something mean as well. You know, the big four banks here tend to go lock, you know, together on these kind of moves. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the other two big banks come out with very negative elements towards crypto. I just think that it's strange timing because I wouldn't have thought there's that many retail going into the space right now. It's definitely more you know, crypto people have been in for a long time. You probably know what they're doing more. Then we've had Pepe recently. So maybe the rise of the meme coin has alerted the banks to more people taking some rather suspicious bets in crypto. And so that might have triggered them to do this, the rise of Pepe and other meme coins or we've had recently. I don't know. I, I think it's bad for the space. I think it, again, highlights crypto as being nothing but scams. And here's the bank coming out saying, we'll protect you. We're good. We'll make you safe. And I don't think we need that. I don't think we need someone to tell us how we can spend our money. Indeed, I find it quite unusual that they would limit the amount of money that we're sending out to pretty much companies that went through their whole due diligence. They registered. I mean, they're not out there selling drugs or anything. Binance, uh, BTC markets, all of these exchanges are really big. They handle a lot of money and I'm sure they've gone through audits and everything and they've done everything that they need to do to be registered. Uh, pretty much in every country that they're in. So when a bank comes in and they say, oh, we're just trying to protect you. And then the other thing you had mentioned uh, before we started the show, Simon, is that, wow, so there's a limit to how much money I can send to BTC markets, for example, but the amount of money that I can send to a betting app is not limited. That's That's kind of weird. And something that I find really odd is that if they really want to protect my money, I don't know why I get calls from them to take loans or to get into mortgages uh, during clearly overheated periods in the market when I should definitely not be taking big loans to buy houses. This is the right time to buy a house and a wrong time to buy a house. And the thing is, when you get calls from a bank telling you to buy a house, it's probably the wrong time to buy a house. Uh, it's an overheated market and they're just out there trying to make their money off of you. So. I don't know. I'm really curious about the forces that are driving this because clearly there's some force, like you said, Simon, is it a benevolent force? Are they just trying to protect their customers? Maybe are they trying to keep money within the fiat system because that's how they make more profit? Maybe it's really hard to tell, 
but I I do wonder what is the driving force, and I'm not sure if that is a good segue into what uh, Charles Hoskinson had said when he realized that Cardano had was named as a security, but he called it choke point 2.0. Yeah, there's definitely an element of that. They're definitely trying to choke it off. I also sit there and wonder that is this a bigger business play? I mean, I don't necessarily have a, a view that the world is evil and there's evil people trying to do evil things, but I do believe in human greed and maybe what we're going to see very soon coming out of this is a massive pivot by the banks on how they can make money from this. As I said, last year, Commonwealth Bank were talking about allowing you to buy crypto through them. So maybe this is an element of them pushing towards that. And that to me makes more sense. It's a business decision by Commonwealth Bank to limit these crypto exchanges because they want to become a crypto exchange themselves. That logically makes a lot of sense to me. And I see that as being a good business move. And people will forget to a degree that Commonwealth Bank is a business and it needs to make money. And it does what it does to try and protect itself from making money. That to me is what I feel this might smell like. So I wouldn't be surprised if later on that's what comes out. Commonwealth Bank, six months time, crypto exchange. Don't know, that'd be great for the industry in the long run, but right now it really, really hurts. But to go, to go back more to what we were talking about before about where they can control your money. Yes, how they can stop you from betting on sports. Who gets to decide these things? Why is crypto not okay and sports betting is okay? Why aren't they saying, okay, for your protection, we're going to limit the amount of money you can spend on McDonald's because we know it's not good for you. So we're going to limit you on that. Who makes these decisions? That's your, t- that's your, that's your tinfoil hat kind of stuff on, but this is the thing. How did they come arbitrarily up with crypto as being dangerous and not these other things being dangerous to individuals? So that's where I like. I don't like that they are telling you what you can and cannot spend your money on. They are putting in some fairly draconian kind of rules. And maybe that's the start of it. Maybe that's the tinfoil hat theory going on there. Maybe it's a massive, massive business decision and they're going to come after crypto exchanges by becoming crypto exchange. That's, don't know, that's what I think it'd be. That's what I would do if I was potentially in charge of Commonwealth Bank. Stop your, stop your competitors and create a product that, you know, services you. See, the funny thing is the I would rather believe that it was a business decision and, and that would kind of sit well with me than some bureaucrat sitting somewhere thinking, oh, I don't, I don't want Will to spend his money on Bitcoin because he might do the wrong thing. Like, to me, that is just, that would just be a, a committee of people who don't know what's going on and telling me what to do. I, I think I kind of find that insulting. But then if it's a business decision and they're kind of trying to uh, push crypto out of the way because they can sense the competition. I kind of get that. And so yesterday I was actually, this was going through my head and I was wondering to myself, oh, Will, are you being conspiratorial? Are the banks really trying to do a choke point 2.0 on you? And so I uh, looked up a few books and it turns out that this is pretty much a historical pattern. Uh, finally, when coffee came out uh, i think it was in in europe uh, there's a the wine company didn't like it and they branded it as the devil's drink because they were afraid that it would replace wine as uh, the drink of choice um, same thing when it moved to uh, england the tea company was uh, really against coffee and they call it unpatriotic and and, and it's trying to stop it. And and once you frame it like that, it doesn't seem so much like a conspiracy. Apparently, the church was against the printing press. Uh, the dairy business was against margarine. This was hundreds of years ago. And there's all of these companies that were against the previous company. So it looks like 
banks going after Bitcoin and crypto should be expected. And it brings me back to my favorite crypto Bible, the sovereign individual. And it's really interesting that the writers of this book did predict the rise of a digital currency. And they did say that it would make it that much harder for governments to extract value because they saw the value moving from physical things, physical cash dollars and moving to something online that was borderless and stateless and not controlled by anybody. And, and the funny thing is the book did predict one, the rise of Bitcoin and two, uh, banks trying to fight it and stop it. And they said, this, this happens in history and we can expect this to happen. And, and I, I hope that Bitcoin will come out on top and at least some new ecosystem will form where banks are still there, but Bitcoin is there. And if I want to hold Bitcoin and use Bitcoin instead of dollars, I'm, I'm totally free to do so. All right, mate. Well, let's take off our little tinfoil hats for a second and let's move on to stupid hats. Shiva Inu releases a metaverse. What in the world is going on here? I don't know, Simon. I thought Shibu Inu was just a meme coin, but it looks like they're releasing a metaverse where you can buy land, uh, businesses. And so that's just one level. But then the next level is that there's a blockchain as well being released by Shiba Inu. It's called the Shibarium Layer 2. And on top of Shibarium, you can have a metaverse and Web3. At least that's a promise. That sounds kind of wild to me. When did meme coins start building products? <laughs> is it still a meme coin? <laughs> I, I, I think meme coins start building products when the guys who created them made so much money, they don't know what else to do with it other than try to layer on top of what they've already done and try to make more money from it. I mean, I think that this is a gimmick. I don't think this will take off. I think it will potentially have a good <laughs> boost at the start, especially when they sell the land. They'll, they'll probably be a frenzy around that. But longer term, oh, I... I I can't see how this is going to do well long term, <laughs> but geez, sure, if you, if you like a gamble and a bet, this stuff could take off. It's a big meme coin. It's got a big you know, cultural significance. It's got a really mm. vibrant community as the big meme coins tend to have. So I think short term, this would do really well, but long term, I just don't know why you would bother. <laughs> yeah, I... I don't know. It's almost like they started the project backwards. Usually you're supposed to start a project and then kind of try and pump the token with value. It looks like they started with a meme and people started to believe in it. And now they want to attach value to it. That's really strange, but who knows? Um, I mean, I mean, I don't know where this will go. I'm really curious about this. And and what if we get copycats? Well, if if Shiba Inu is going to start a blockchain, well, what about Doge? Why doesn't Doge start a blockchain? And what about Pepe? Are we going to start having meme blockchains now? <laughs> What's going to be on them? <laughs> well, remember, Doge is a blockchain. Doge is already its own blockchain, so that's a little bit different. But yeah, where does it end? And you know, does the Doge community want to pivot into doing other things? You know, you start seeing NFTs on the Doge block. Those kind of things we'll have to see. And I guess this is the future that we're heading in towards where we've got digital communities. And so if that community wants to go and explore and do these kind of things, great. But this gets to the point where it's less of an investment and it's more an engagement of community and community people 
doing community things together. So that's, I think, what you've got to keep in mind here is that I think Shiva Inn are moving to the space. They're not going to bring people from outside in. It's not going to bring new people to the space per se. It's only going to enhance the vibrancy of the Shiva Inn community. And they're going to buy this land and participate in it. But I don't see, you know, you're not going to convert a Bitcoin maxi into saying, finally, I've seen the light and I can know that these other blockchains are doing something interesting. So that's where I see it as, is that this is just a nice addition to the Shibuya community. It's not an investment. Yeah. Yeah. The branding isn't quite right for somebody who wants to start a new project. I mean, if I was starting a new project, I could either go to Ethereum or Aztec or, huh, Shibuya. <laughs> I don't have a reason to go there. So... Who knows? Maybe they have enough money to sponsor some fun projects, maybe an NFT marketplace or something. But yeah, to your point, Simon, it seems like it seems more gimmick than uh, business. But it's a wait and see, I guess. <laughs> All right, well, let's finish up and talk about price action then, because I think it's an interesting one to look at based off what's happened with the SEC, which we talked about earlier. So. From my perspective, what happened was that when this came out ruling they were suing Binance, we had a drop in 5% to both Bitcoin and Ethereum. And so that was you know, fairly modest, which to me also indicates that there's no more sellers, especially those major currencies. Like everyone who was selling is gone. So there's not retail in this space who got spooked by this. That 5% is just traders trading the news, I feel. And then interestingly enough, the next day when Coinbase came out, the Coinbase was being sued, the prices didn't drop further. The prices actually recovered. So they went back to where they were. They went back up 5%. So on those two big guys, that's just to me indicating that we don't care about this news. We kind of knew it was coming. Everyone knew the SEC was going up to Binance. They issued that, that Wells notice to Coinbase that everybody knew it was coming. So the industry wasn't surprised. And retail or people who are new aren't in the space to get freaked out and sell. So that's very interesting. The other interesting thing to see is that the tokens and coins that were listed as securities, they have dropped. So Solana's, Yamatic, Cardano's, they are all down like 10 to 15%. So that's a very interesting one, I guess, is that people got a little bit more freaked out about those particular coins because of the uncertainty going in the future. Possibly, you know, people in the US going, well, I'm going to get out of that because if they're real securities, then I'm going to really struggle to sell them anyway. So I think that might be the selling pressure of those security listed tokens is that people are going, can I offload this in the future? Maybe not. I'm going to sell now. That's what I think is going on there. For the longer term view, especially of your big ones, your Solana, your Cardano's and your Maddox, I feel it's just a bump. You know, 15% is still not a massive move in price for those tokens over the long term kind of thing. So maybe this is a dip that people could buy into. I think they'll recover. I think this news will drift away because of the slow process of the court system. So we'll probably be hitting, you know, Bitcoin halvening kind of talk without these uh, filings being resolved. So it'll disappear in the news cycle. And I think these prices will all recover. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Simon, especially having worked for a token that did go through the SEC. I mean, there were times where the during the bull markets, it would still rise up and go down with the other tokens. I mean, when the news came out that the SEC was going after it, 
uh, of course, uh, there was there was a, there was a decent amount of selling. Pretty much what's happening now to uh, Solana and and Cardano. So this is completely expected, and I think it's healthy. And given all the bad news that's been happening, all of these tokens being, I suppose, uh, spotlighted on by the SEC and the things that are happening with Binance and and Coinbase. Well, the drop that we've seen from the market is kind of small, actually. I remember back in 2017 and 2018, when China would go against exchanges, just in China, the price would just tank sometimes. So like you said, to agree with you, it seems the, the market just reacted slightly to it, as it should. Um, it'll probably be forgotten in the next news cycle. People will forget that Solana is under the SEC. And this thing will probably go on for a while. And the thing is, if you look at the history of tokens that have publicly been, let's call it, attacked by the SEC, well, they're still going. It's really rare for a token to get into attrition with the SEC and then to completely stop. I mean, this is a blockchain. They can't stop most tokens, even if they wanted to. So I don't even know why the SEC is doing what it's doing. It's almost like it's just discouraging people from going into the US market because it goes into these tokens and then they end up having some sort of agreements out of court and somebody paying a fine and just being allowed to keep going, <laughs> which which is kind of really odd. So yeah, I, I feel like we're still in a bull. I'm still really bullish and I'm still looking for tokens to buy. I think I would start to worry when I felt the market was overheated. And at that point, um, at that point, I think any news would scare me <laughs> and that's when I would sell. But for now, I'm personally just buying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think we're still in the middle of, you know, middle of 2023, which is the same as being in the middle of 2019, where it's sideways market, news comes and goes, but the good projects will continue to build, continue to grow. And so I think that's what you focus on. Let these headlines fade away as they will. Sure, it'll have its day in court and we'll talk about it again then and prices will react then. At the moment, big projects doing well. Just keep focusing on that. Shall we edit? <laughs> All right, well, well, thanks very much for your time on the weekly round again. See you next week. Thanks, Simon. Until next week. Cool. <laughs>